I've launched businesses that don't succeed. I've launched ideas that just fail miserably. But if you don't keep moving forward, you're never really going to see the, the fruit, the results of the positive ones. And so, yeah, that's kind of my perspective of um, kind of managing those insecurities and how you can improve, like being consistent, moving forward. And again, just practice, make it happen. Don't overthink. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter came to help them find the way. Because of this, makers became founders and earned the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth until tomorrow, no code becomes the next big skill that changes the future of humanity. That's what I'm all about. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz, and from an ethical hacker to a European Ivy League business graduate with a Master's of Science in Entrepreneurship degree, to a hypnotherapist, to a growth marketer, I've lost everything twice, but I refuse to give up. So now I'm rebuilding my life one more time 1% a day. The No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter are for the makers and founders who have the proactivity, perspective, and persistence to go on this journey with me and get the answers about money, marketing, and mindsets so that makers become earners, earners become founders, and founders get freedom and create wealth and thank you all so much for the support. This podcast now is ranking very nicely on Apple in the entrepreneurship category. Top 200 in San Francisco, top 100 in Australia, top 60 in Germany, top 50 in the United Kingdom, top 50 in Spain, top 50 in the Netherlands, top 30 in Sweden, and top 25 in Italy. And I reached a total of 150 episodes on both my podcast with 120 interviews, published and completed in 50 days. So please keep supporting, rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing. And if you are interested in my mentoring services to help with your business goals, especially when it comes to marketing, networking, as well as podcasting, finding your podcast uniqueness, reaching out to great guests, getting ranked on Apple, conducting interesting interviews, podcast promotion, and much more, send me an email to mentor at storybonded.com, M-E-N-T-O-R at storybonded.com, or message me on Twitter, no code wealth, and let's begin a conversation. My guest today is awesome. He is Neftali Loria from Universidad Creativa to IGC Online to Critical Mass in Costa Rica to Vibe9 Design in Vancouver, Sweet Rush Inc., where he was a creative director producing innovative e-learning experiences for Google, Bridgestone, Cisco, and led the VRUI for Hilton, which garnered buzz by Forbes, to United Futsal in North Carolina. Neff is the founder of Creative Pro with a K, helping designers build their own interactive experiences 
from start to finish and is an instructor at awards, helping business skilled individuals launch their next big idea with no code. Born in Costa Rica, raised by wolves in Canada, he obsesses over details and tiny attention spans. When he's not locked at home doing no code, he travels and makes adventure travel films at lostandfree.com. And he was featured on Huffington Post, Vimeo's staff pick, Fubis, Matador, and PBS Network. Neff, how are you today? Wow, that was an incredible intro. And it just set up the ground for me so much. Thank you so much, Aziz. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And it's my honor, my pleasure. And I am ready. We're going to have a lot of fun. So I will Let's begin this. Yep. with this question. These days, these weeks, what kind of thoughts seem to be on your mind? Yes, that's a great question. These days have been a little bit of wanting or hope. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm thinking of that a lot of what um, has happened last year and how it had affected everybody, not just physically and emotionally. Uh, we're finally at least trying to see some hope at the end of the tunnel. So my thoughts right now are, when will this end and how quickly can I take advantage of this opportunity to keep moving forward? How quickly can this end and how you can take advantage of this opportunity to keep moving forward? And you mentioned light, seeing light at the end of the tunnel. And I know you're a filmmaker in many ways and a mm -hmm. designer. So to explore how you think, it seems to me that you're a highly visual person. Do you see images vividly? Were you a child that daydreamed a lot about other worlds and objects and stories? And how do you, like, does your brain work in this way? Yeah, actually, you know, I have, um, since I was very little, I had the opportunity to expose myself to a lot of scenarios. Uh, you know, I grew up in Costa Rica and I, you know, I came up uh, in a very poor neighborhood where all the kids would play um, outside and we didn't have like, you know, what's going on now where the kids are almost always inside. Um, I grew up with a lot of um, good memories, you know, and, and growing up in a culture that, you know, helps the society feel like nurtured with family values and all these wonderful things because we are such a small country in Costa Rica. Um, we, we just have this amazing um, thing for connection, right? And so because I grew up with this culture and these ideas um, very young, I started to feel like now that, you know, once you're, you've grown and you've become this professional, it, it's just, it's, it's almost like a memory that just is there. But for some reason, I want to bring that out as much as I can with creativity and the things that I've grew up with. All those little values that um, I grew up with actually get portrayed a lot in my work, especially in my film and um, visual photography. So for me, it's really interesting because nowadays, you know, the attention span that we all get, 
have, especially because of all the overload of information that we're getting, it's really hard to kind of get back into those that kid mentality, you know, have that, um, that creativity that you had when you were such young and have all the connection that you had with your friends and everything like that. I'm trying to find a way to get that back. And so, yeah, like you said, like for me, I'm always, always thinking about ways to bring that throughout my art. And, um, and yeah, I think that's definitely something that because of the culture that I grew up with, I try to stick that into my work every day. Thank you. I noticed. And yes, you spoke about how you are growing up in a very poor environment in Costa Rica in a small country and you played outside and you felt the sense of family and connection and that in these more modern times there is a bit of loss of that and maybe nostalgia that you're feeling in these mm -hmm. days and therefore more than this people's attention spans are so short so to capture them and give them connection, which is not shallow, but short attention spans leads to shallow uh, being or a shallow way of life. So right. these modern times, you're looking to bring back that free creativity that you had in childhood and to express that again. Well, I have then two questions. One, how can you define for yourself connection? And second... Did you have situations where it was actually difficult to be as creative as you were? And that's why there was this desire to return to that place and that moment and that attitude in childhood of unbridled creativity. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, connection, it's always about that human touch, you know, and I've always struggled as a designer throughout my career that the way, the only way that you could communicate the message to somebody would be creating some graphics or sending out some kind of uh, experience online to communicate that. But I always found there was a lack of emotional connection, a lack of that personal touch. And so that's why a little bit, uh, when I got into filmmaking uh, during my career, I started noticing that this approach to creating connection was more evident through film um, because I felt like the stories that you could tell could really resonate with people. And rather than, you know, showing them a graphic or something that's, um, that's visual, having a video telling a story ignited that again for me. So it brought all that nostalgic moments and memories from when I was a kid and I tried my best to figure out how do I, how I can bring that into my work? So that would be the connection side of things. But yeah, for sure, definitely the, the fact that now we have all these tools um, that allows us to do that, right, uh, has enabled me to create these stories visually for not just um, these adventure films that I've created in the past, but now how can I apply that in today's world? How can I apply that back into designers? How can I apply that to my daily life and work? And so it's just like, a, like trying to bridge everything together. But right now, I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out personally because I have a deep love for film. And it's just the art side of my, um, 
uh, work. And I know that I cannot just bring in <laughs> or combine or fuse them together because for design a lot, like you and I know, it's, it's, it's about most of the times about selling, right? So designing, it's about communicating the right message to the right audience. And so for me, there's like this limbo between those two that I love to connect and I'm still figuring that out, but, um, but I'm, yeah, I think that's definitely one of the things that really draw me back into that connection of getting those two together somehow. Wonderful. So if I understood correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to me that when you are sharing stories that resonate, especially when it's uh, in movie, because that's a medium created for storytelling, that Mm -hmm. is bringing back the connection and that feeling that you had in Costa Rica and in childhood. And when you're being a designer, of course, there is a huge focus on selling, but in a way it feels emptier or uh, less complete. And to find a way to balance both and bring that connection, that resonance, that storytelling while still selling and having reaching those KPIs and goals, that will be the holy grail that you're working towards and you're trying to work with every day. Is this correct? Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of people might feel, um, they might feel the same way where, you know, you have this world of incredible no-code movement happening now where anybody basically can come in and start building out or their project or their business but again, it's it's like for me, how do you train these people to become storytellers as well, right? For me, that's that's where it creates that spark. That's where it creates that uniqueness to me wanting to convert. Are you offering this product? Well, yeah. How can you make that product really tell a story and then make it engaging for everybody and making and and like you said meeting those kpis right because it's all about kind of at the end it's all about kind of those numbers making sure that it's worth your time and uh yeah it's just it's an exciting time to be thank you so what i'm hearing is you're teaching people who are working on their projects and turning their idea into mvp and reality in no code but if they only focused on the money there isn't that spark but if they add a story that will resonate, then it takes their work to the next level where they can both, of course, get remunerated for the value they add, but they also tell a story that will create moments and experiences of connection with their clients and customers and users. And that is the true fulfillment and bigger meaning for you. Is this correct? Exactly. Yeah, that is correct. This is. Thank you. And well, relating it back to uh, the light at the end of the tunnel and the difficult year, it seems to me because you said connection is also about human touch. And because of social distancing, there was (laughs) no human touch, like by definition. And therefore, If we will speak metaphorically, since you're a visual person, the light at the end of the tunnel, well, what kind of tunnel is that? What's negative about that last year that can be symbolized at that tunnel? And how would the light be 
that will incorporate that connection and human touch. Yeah, no, I think, well, um, actually, when I mentioned that, I kind of brought back a little bit of my own personal experience. So last year, it's been a, a very tough year for me because I, I went through a lot of changes, especially for my family, where we would have to kind of, you know, work. we were working in the U.S. Um, as a creative director for this exciting company. And um, having this drastic change of, you know, there's something wrong in the world, right? There's there's this pandemic happening. The fact that everything was so stable and now it's, um, you know, I lost my job because of, of this situation as many, many thousands of people lost their jobs. And for me, it was like it triggered something that I wasn't really expecting because when I was at that stage, at, at that moment, I felt like, you know, everything is going to be fine. Everything is going to be moving forward. It's not a big deal. But then when you hit this wall, when you realize that things can change from, you know, from one moment to another, that's when you start realizing, you know, you, there's, there's nothing is secure. Basically there's nothing secure. And um, for me, that light in the tunnel was the fact that, you know, you can apply that in your own, right. In, in your own personal situations. But for me, it was, how can I take this, dark moment and turn it around, turn it into something good for me and for my family. And I think that that doesn't just come along randomly. I think that comes along by preparation, by having all the years that you might be um, in your experience or in your career, kind of letting you know that there, if you're not aware, if you're not prepared um, emotionally and uh, with your correct skill sets to move forward, kind of these past situations, that light on the tunnel might feel further and further. And it's super subjective, right? Like for me, it was, it was, it was not there at that moment. I felt complete darkness. And then at that moment, I had to react. And my reaction at that moment was, well, what can I do, right, to make this a positive movement? And I asked my wife, hey, you know, what, what is something that I, I could do to make this work in the short term, but also in the long term? And um, one thing that she said to me was, why don't you just teach what you know? Take advantage of this time, prep yourself, and give back. You have so many skills. Why not give back? And that's when I realized that just sparked something in me. I'm like, wow, that's genius. And that's when, you know, everything kind of changed for me. And I started focusing strictly on how do I give back? What can I give back? And pretty much this is where Creative Pro, my own kind of online courses kind of started because I, I, had, uh, <laughs> I had never actually taught online. I have never kind of been a professor. And so this was taunting for me, right? Like this was a huge thing for me. Um, and so I decided to do this. I decided to take on a little bit ambitious, I would say, because, uh, you know, creating up to six, seven courses in less than a year was a huge task. And, and on top of that, the whole idea of the pandemic hitting and just the uncertainty, it was crazy. But for me, that light at the end of the tunnel was 
making this for the potential of giving me kind of that light of, okay, I can come out of this, but I just need to focus on one thing, you know, and, and that thing is kind of moving forward, making sure that I can get this, um, giving me that, that passion that, that I bring to every other project, giving it back to a community. And so when I started Creative Pro, I never imagined creating a community. And now that I've launched it just a few months ago, the fact that it's grown over 400 uh, students and everybody's asking me questions, everybody goes in there to, to learn and understand all the things that they can potentially do, run a business, design a system, you know, launch their MVP, like all these things that for me, I took for granted because I knew them and it was okay. But, but now that I'm giving back and I've created this community and created that personal connection with all these people that I didn't know was possible is that light in the tunnel where I'm like, now I'm finally seeing the bigger picture. Now I'm, I'm ready to go out the tunnel and, you know, take on the world. So yeah, that's a long, a little bit of long, long backstory, but I just wanted to give you some context. Thank you very much. And it happened to me too. That's the second time where I lost everything, including my job is 2020 and the pandemic. So we're like in a similar boat. And if I <laughs> heard you correctly, what happened is this, you are a creative working in the US and you didn't even consider or think about community being possible online or what to do. So you, like you mentioned, that your skills and your preparation was not there for this black swan event of a pandemic. And when you were laid off, it seemed like you were in a dark place. And it's interesting how you use two different metaphors. One is the tunnel and the light at the end of the tunnel and moving forward. And another one, you said, it's turning it to the other side. So there is like a dark side. And then if you turn the same situation, maybe rearrange the same elements or skills in a different way, you get into the light. So you're having two different metaphors working <laughs> at the same time that are a bit contradictory, but so beautifully said and so visual. And what happened is you were in a dark place and then your wife suggested to you to teach what you know and that sparked into you something. So you created, you created your community and project and to share what you know, but you didn't know that you can have what you mentioned again, connection. And I believe this is the fourth time you mentioned that word. And human touch, actually, you mentioned that again. And the ability for the people in your community of 400 students to learn about MVP, about business, about design, to have connection together that allowed you, even though in reality and in the physical world, you couldn't be like in Costa Rica in your small community having that connection. But even online, you reach a level of it and you were not even expecting that to be possible. Is this a correct understanding? Absolutely. Yes. You got it. Thank you. And to think a bit more, because many people will have trouble creating communities and they don't know how, and they don't understand, for example, that communicating values is important, etc. To you, since it worked, 
what did you do? How did you approach the whole process of creating community that you believe maybe other people who want to create even a small community, like a team of five people, to do it well and to follow your steps? What did you focus on? And what are your beliefs that make a community work? Great question. Yeah, no, so I think, um, like I said, a lot of this for me was a new start, right? So I actually learn, and I'm still learning as I go on building out this community. But I think the biggest thing that I've learned so far as to my community, for example, is being consistent, being there, being available, being somebody who they admire at first because they actually see you as your mentor, right? So you have to be ready for them no matter what. And, and when, I, when I remember what my wife told me about giving back, it wasn't just do those courses and that's it. <laughs> you know, like that's where most people kind of stop at the end of that and like they're expecting something in return. But for me, it was, okay, now we have this, this is ready. How can I keep them motivated? How can I keep them uh, excited about what's coming? And so for me, the way that I've been nurturing my community, it's about giving a lot of resources, a lot of content, a lot of things that they might not even have time for the things that um, you can see very often nowadays in marketing and, and social media and how all these influencers and designers are creating valuable content for everybody accessible for free. And I think that's where that kind of community starts building because now they know that there's someone there who is not just providing them with value content, but it's also there for, for any questions for mentoring and and that's exactly what I've been doing for the past four or five months. And thanks to that, I've been able to create all these connections that I could never imagine. So for me, the advice is basically, you know, be available, be there, be ready and, you know, keep giving all. Don't just create something and that's it. It's done. <laughs> it's all about keep making it, improving on it. So that's for me. Um, at least my two cents of what I've learned so far creating my community. Thank you. So it's to keep the connection going because being transactional, that is the opposite of connection. And the yeah. longer and deeper you keep that connection, the more you will build a community. So it's not about creating courses only. It's about being there, answering questions, adding value, mentoring, helping people, and continuing to give back to the community and you mentioned giving back often and that it's a source for connecting is this correct that is correct yes um yeah, no, and giving back yeah i'm sorry go for it <laughs> no no this is beautiful please you're gonna speak about giving back but i noticed that earlier on you said that telling stories that resonate creates connection and now you're saying giving back to community creates connections. So how is giving back related to storytelling that resonates, as well as, of course, explaining giving back, as well as resonance, if it could be explained? Yeah, so um, I think giving back for the sake of giving back can be done for 
easily as you create a new channel on YouTube, as you create a, a new account on Instagram or, or what everything or everyone is doing basically. And you know, to be honest, I've been very hesitant. I have like a love and hate <laughs> situation with that. Um, and the reason why is because I feel like sometimes a lot of the, the goals that people put out themselves to do in these social media spectrums is, is that like going for a transactional, they, they have this idea that because they build out enough followers, they're ready to start monetizing them. You know, that, that's, that's a frail, that's a really um, unfortunate way of thinking. And, you know, when I set this, um, when I set out to do my courses, I had really, you know, two things. One was how can I give back in a way that's in entertaining, in a way that's valuable, in a way that's, um, you know, uh, timeless, because I didn't want to have to worry about this not being valuable content in a few years or, or so. And so I, my mission was, I want to make sure that when, whatever I do, I need to be passionate about it anytime. If I'm working on it 24 hours over the weekend, whatever, I'm giving all of it. And I'm not going to be thinking about the end goal. And the end goal at the end, uh, for, for, for most people, when they create online courses, it's monetizing, right? So that's like the one thing that they want. They, they want to make that profitable and, and so forth. But the, the good thing is that during my process of building out these, um, these courses, I ran into so many great connections that allowed me to find alternative jobs that could help, you know, push me forward. And then I didn't have to rely entirely on this plan, right? Because that's the thing. Like when I was um, thinking about uh, creating these, this, this system of, of courses, it was all about, okay, let's make it in a way that I'm going to enjoy it for a long time. This is not going to be done in a month or two months. This is a long-term thing. I have to make sure I keep my community happy. But not just that, also give content for free so that they can keep coming back to me and being able to appreciate what I'm doing for them. And so if everybody who's ready to start moving into this direction of creating valuable content, if they're an expert or on something, just keep that in mind, you know, like make sure that whatever you do, it's something you're really passionate about and you're not going to be tired after six or eight or a year <laughs> after doing it, you know? And so now connecting again to the, to the question of giving back and the storytelling, um, I actually admire a lot of the, the people that I follow on Instagram and on YouTube because the way they've structured their content, it's as if they were paying them. And you can notice the quality of the content that they produce is incredible, right? Because they're putting aside all those extra transactional goals and they're putting it towards functional, real valuable content and then adding that spark on top of it. That spark could be anything. It could be, you know, embellishment with beautiful graphics, uh, a great editing, um, whatever it is, but they also add in that story within it. Like they don't just go out there and just produce content that everybody can find for free online. They actually make that work on their own terms 
they they try to make you feel like that's what they think and that's exactly what i i i, I kind of stole that from them like okay i get it now they're creating content but it's through their own thoughts right and their own experiences and that's the magic formula that's pretty much it and so that's what i did i applied all my skills all my expertise created a set of courses through my own perspective and so far <laughs> i've had such a blessing of getting so many good feedback uh thanks to this and the best part i love doing it great so what i am hearing and please correct me again if this is wrong what i'm hearing is for you to do the thing that you're meant to do is to do something that you will not get tired of doing even if you need to work on the weekend you need to do it for the rest of your life and even if you don't get paid for it and it's about giving back and the way to give back if i understood correctly again and you as a cinematographer it's about the angle that you put on the topic or the subject that is your unique contribution to it and add in a spark in this way whether through the story the graphics etc and making it high quality as if you're getting paid for it but even if people are receiving it for free and therefore people will return again and again and keep receiving value so you are being that light at the end of the tunnel for more and more people and understanding like what happened to you you will create connections that will give you alternative sources of income and other ways to contribute and you don't need to monetize your audience it's more about giving them in the long term and knowing and understanding both intrinsically that it should be a joy in itself to focus on the process and do the best you can do and give back and share back what you know as well as knowing that the more they will benefit the more even without selling they will want to be part of any projects that you want to work on that could require investment on their side is this correct Yeah, you said it best, Asis. That was a great great uh way to explain what I tried to do. I I stumble like through a lot of thoughts. And so what you've done is fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate your kindness. Your words are very supportive and kind and I thank you for that and I'm curious. This is for me personally since you are a storyteller and when they define expertise is actually experts focus on only 5% that they consider the highest value most important variables and ignore 95% while an amateur tries to focus on everything because they don't know what really matters and therefore they're overwhelmed and it's like when you're driving a car for the first time and there is a billion things you need to focus on while an expert driver could be eating a hot dog drinking a matcha tea listening to a song dancing <laughs> with one hand and yelling at their mother on the phone or whatever and they'll be safe so to you one storytelling what is like the few variables that make all the difference that you try to focus on and make sure they are there to know okay if i put this i am doing my best to create a resonant story yeah and um Yeah, so for for me when it comes to storytelling, 
specifically on, on cinematography and the, and the work that I've done in the past, it's about using the skill sets that you have, the experiences that you've um, created in the past and applying that in a way where others can either find themselves somehow. And this can be done as just as simple as the way this specific shot is, 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 is made, you know, um, in film, or at least in, in the videos that I've created in the past, a lot of them have a theme, you know, they, they don't just, um, these films that I made, they're not just made for, for, for no reason. I always try to find a theme. And if you, when you're creating that story or whatever you want to tell, and, and if you align the theme with it, like trying to uh, match it well with either the culture and a lot of cases, the films that I've made have been based on culture, based on countries that I've visited. And so if you try to find that rhythm, that rhythm within the culture, align the theme, the story kind of develops on its own. And it all depends on experiences. I'll give you a little short story on what happened with one of my stories that I that I made. In fact, when I was in Egypt, maybe 2015, um, I was it was my first time in Egypt, and I was in the middle of this sandstorm. So you can imagine, like this really dark, lots of wind, lots of sand in your nose and your eyes everywhere, and I was actually near the the Red Pyramid, one of the ancient uh, pyramids in the south of Egypt, of Cairo, sorry. And during that sandstorm, there was a huge earthquake. It started like at six, I think it was like six to uh, seven. I I can't remember very well, but imagine like that that feeling. (laughs) For me being there for the first time, having a sandstorm, and then on top of that, there's an earthquake happening. And... I was filming everything. Like I was taking shots of absolutely everything that was going on. And I was feeling very afraid. And just to keep this short, at the end of this experience, I started coming up with a really, really cool idea. And it like, just because of that idea, thanks to that little footage that I had at the very beginning of my trip, I was able to develop it, the entire story around just that little idea or that little event. So you could say, yeah, some stories happen because of random moments like that. Sometimes they don't happen like that. But for me, if you can align a theme, if you can grab all the moments where they uh, align with what you're trying to you know, convey in your, in your work, that's when the story starts to develop. Of course, you can imagine I, had that, I captured all that footage. I went back. I started creating a storyboard based around that event and then everything came through this film is called year zero and you can find it on my uh, vimeo.com uh, channel which is uh, some it's it was a really exciting project for me because it was one of those projects that really connected with the audience it really connected with egyptians like when they saw that film they love this the way i've structured it in a way that kind of connects the old ancient egypt and the new Egypt. And so everybody was just 
mind blown the way I've structured a simple story based on an event that happened that day and created a fun story to tell about the Egyptian culture and my trip around it. So Great. There is so much to say there, but I'm reading between the lines and I want you to speak on something specific, whether when your wife told you to share what you know or you now fearlessly actually sharing your perspective and valuing it. What happened is a lot of people are, like that saying goes, staying silent or dying with their song or in this case with their movie or story in their heart because of something called the imposter syndrome as well as a low a thinking a low confidence that comes from thinking well i'm just a person why is my perspective valuable why is what i know or say different i'm not an authority even though like what i believe Actually, your perspective is really valuable. Each one of us has a piece of the puzzle to the world, and we see a perspective that really nobody else sees. So uh, the purpose of each perspective added to the group is to let us, all of us, see what other people are seeing and therefore see blind spots we didn't know, look through the world, through different perspectives and mm -hmm. have a richer experience of life. But that's me. To you, what beliefs do you have that allows you that allow you to value your own perspective, your own contribution, and your own things that you have to say? Because a lot of people will think, well, I'm just me. I'm a normal person. Yes, <laughs> I have some things to say, but so what? It's it nobody will like it. I even hear things like that, like, well, nobody will care. But in reality, they don't understand the fascination of other people's perspectives. But that's my experience. Please share yours, the beliefs that give you that confidence or that ability or that motivation to share your perspectives that maybe a listener will hear and think, wow, I didn't think about it that way. I agree. And we have more voices shared in this world. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I totally resonate. That resonates so much with me, Aziz, because it has been a very difficult time trying to figure out if I'm even worth uh, my content, my expertise, my knowledge is like when I started like doing the online courses and the idea of just recording myself was very scary <laughs> because I've always been behind the camera, never in front of camera. As a filmmaker, for me, it's telling the story through my lens, but never actually being in front of the lens. And that scared a lot. It was super scary for me. I never done it. And it was the first time that I kind of really dived into it. And for me, it's all about quick wins. If you can start by doing the little bit of effort of just giving it a try, not thinking over so much, you know, like not overthinking. Oh, what will they say? What will they think? They'll think I'm, I'm you know, like you said, like uh, imposter syndrome, right? Like all these things are real and we all experience these things. There's no out of it. Like, but if you were to see the first attempts that I made, when I started doing my 
my first courses or teaching, uh, even in front of like students, it was like a total mess. Like I, I was not prepared. I was nervous. It was very hard. And now after several months of doing that same task and repeating it and failing, because you have to fail to learn, but I kept doing it. I kept doing it. And as soon as I started seeing that there was some improvements happening, even my wife telling me, hey, baby, you, you sound a lot more comfortable now. I'm so happy for you. That's the growth. That's the quick win. That's the confirmation. That's the validation. There's something, there's people telling you, dude, we love your content. We love this course. Those little quick wins are massively big motivators in keeping that train moving. And if it wasn't for those quick wins, and if it was all negative, I'd say it would be a very difficult. And I know many people that go through that. I know many people that are unfortunately... Um, you know, with the wrong audience or with the wrong people, wrong relationships that don't support them, you know? Um, and so that kind of fear kind comes through even more, right? And so for me, it's all about keeping your alignment of being consistent, like I mentioned earlier, like being consistent, being disciplined. And I've had this um, kind of discipline of work throughout my entire career but I've never really applied it to personal emotion and how, how secure, how to improve the, you know, your insecurities. How do we improve that really? Like, what can you do to improve that? Well, for me, at least it was keep doing it, see that progress. And I can tell you right now that one of the things that taught me this, this little discipline trick <laughs> was when I was very young, when I was like maybe 14, 18 years old or within that teenage years when I was skateboarding, having a skateboard for me was the most important thing that I've learned in my life as a youth because it created discipline. It created that if you fail a trick, you need to get up. Even if you're hurt, you have to get that trick. You need to nail that trick. And I don't know why a lot of people bring that same idea or that same concept of you know failing again and again to get better well that's how it works <laughs> for me that's how it's worked all these years throughout my career i've launched businesses that don't succeed i've launched ideas that just fail miserably but if you don't keep moving forward you're never really going to see the the fruit the results of the positive ones and so yeah that's kind of my perspective of um kind of managing those insecurities and how you can improve, like being consistent, moving forward. And again, just practice, make it happen. Don't overthink. Great. Like I'm hearing so many wonderful things. And yes, in Japan, they have these dolls called Daruma dolls that if you make them fall over, they always stand up again. And in Zen, they say, fall over 8,000 times, stand up 8,001, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> in Asian cultures, often eight means infinite, which means like you, you do one more than infinite falling. And I resonate with that very much that a lot of failure. And I believe that actually success 
is like small islands within a sea of failure and you have mm-hmm. to swim and move forward in that sea of failure in mm-hmm. order to find an island of success within as well as you know a, a funny story or anecdote since you mentioned the first time you spoke you were not that great and then until your wife uh, later began to notice that you are getting better for me when i first uploaded my very first podcast and i thought look I won't make, because it happened in the beginning, you were like, okay, I'll do it after one hour, after two, and then Mm -hmm. suddenly it's midnight, you're like, okay, I'll do it tomorrow, and tomorrow becomes next week. So I thought, I don't care, I'm going to do it today, whatever happens, whatever is recorded, is recorded. So I recorded two episodes, because normally when you upload, you need to have more than one in order for you to submit it to some directories. Mm -hmm. So I did two, and I thought, okay, wonderful. And look, the first episode has places in it where the voice changes like Darth Vader. And it's absolutely weird for no reason. Like there is nothing. <laughs> the voice is being modulated like in a weird way. And the when I uploaded it and I put it correctly, episode one is episode one and episode two is episode two. It uploaded and until now, the second it, it episode one is put as episode two. It's like an unlucky <laughs> episode that doesn't want to go in the right place and sound right <laughs> and then i thought look i could just you know um, delete that and only upload the second but i thought look like you spoke about stories well i'm not perfect there is this worship of entrepreneurs who seem to be perfect and have the midas touch while in reality they're stumbling everyone is just like einstein said his strategy for success is to grope in the dark, which mm-hmm. is really how life is. And therefore, yes, is to show, well, some people will listen. Maybe they will hate it. Maybe they will love it. Maybe some people will be like, what's happening here? Was he like kidnapped <laughs> by aliens? And that's the sound of him getting probed or whatever. But I'm like, no, actually, it's like... Uh, um, fight club where when you lose everything only then you're free to do um, anything you want and therefore whatever I'll do after I already did my very worst episode so I don't have fear <laughs> of doing something really bad because I already did you know so it's like Hagakure which is the samurai way where they say live life like you already died and yeah. that every day is a gift and therefore you are free because you already died so to me, I already did my worst episode. I can't make it any worse. <laughs> exactly. So anything, anything is a plus. And even better, there is a book on that quick wins that you mentioned. It's called The Winner Effect by Ian Robertson, where he analyzes the neurochemistry of the brain. Mm-hmm. That when you get those quick wins, the brain builds pathways where it will release more and more dopamine and give you some serotonin on the way to keep you motivated. But if you don't get quick wins, the brain doesn't build association with uh, pleasure or dopamine to the activity. And you'll end up giving up and in a dark place, like you said. And in many ways, if you cannot arrive at the end of the tunnel. And actually, it seems to me that your metaphor is when you're uh, in the light at the end of the tunnel, that's when you're working on your purpose doing things correctly long-term, enjoying everything you do, even if you did it for 300 years, and that the light at the end of the tunnel is not the riches and the money and the followers. It's being on the way that is bringing you happiness, correct? 
Exactly. You couldn't have phrased it better, man. That was exactly what I was trying to say. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'm sure people listening now, they hear a lot of wisdom in what you say, and they're curious. Let's say someone out there in the world listening, and they have a bad day today, and there is some piece of advice in your heart that maybe if you shared it now, it will touch them and change everything. What would be this advice that is from your heart that you believe the world should hear, even if it's repeating something you said before, or maybe a different take on it? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I, I think this one is, the what I was thinking was because of all the things that happened in the past, don't, I almost feel like I, I try never to look back in my past to keep moving ahead. So if uh, the one thing that I was thinking is, you know, don't let your past become your future. For me, that's kind of resonated all my life. And if somebody could use that and apply it in their own life to improve their day to day, I'm sure it will come in handy because for me, it has worked. Don't let your past become your future. Don't let your past become your future. That's beautiful. I thank you for that. And that's a great closure to this moment that we had together. And it's absolutely deep and meaningful for me. And if people want to connect with you, they wish to learn more about your community, maybe to take part in it or benefit from your content and see everything, your perspective and the value you're adding to the world. What could be some links or places for them to go now? And I will write them as well in the description. Thank you so much, Aziz. Yeah, um, you can definitely get in some of the inspiration and work I've done in cinematography at lostandfree.com. Um, that's some of the films that I've worked in the past few years. But if you're interested in learning um, a little bit of what um, creating, you know, the visual experience and understand the entire process, really, because a lot of courses online today are giving you little bits and pieces. And my goal is to kind of guide you, hold your hand, tend together, kind of go through the whole process. If you're ever interested in understanding the process, you can visit creativepro.io. Thank you very much. It was a great experience and I wish you a wonderful day. You too, Aziz. I appreciate it a lot. It was fun. And thank you again. Have a wonderful week. Mm -hmm.